Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Happy Friday, everybody. Glad to have you with us. Uh, man, huge weekend. The sky is actually oiler blue outside right now. Only, <laughs> only appropriate because uh, a lot of Houston Oilers in town this weekend. Uh, Rhett Bryan jumped in with us the last segment, said about 80 former players. It's a who's who of uh, Houston Oilers that will be there. So can't wait to see that game on Sunday. Now, here's what we know about some injury stuff. You may have just caught this in Lucas's update, but um, uh, Mike Vrabel today ruled out three people. He said Derek Roberson, Caleb Farley, Anthony Ferkser. Uh, he ruled those guys out. He was asked by Ben Arthur of the Tennessean. He goes, come on, Ben, that's John Glennon's question. What are you doing? Okay, here's who's out. <laughs> so he had to bust his hump a little bit. Uh, Dupree going to play. Uh, Taylor Lewan set to play, practice all week. Jayon Brown actually spoke to the media today. Jayon said, I look forward to playing on Sunday. Uh, so you do get some guys back. Uh, at some point today, I guess, and I, we don't have the audio. I didn't ask Lucas to get it. But Mike Vrabel had talked about, I guess, them trying to work Bud Dupree back in the in the right way, Blaine. But he's, he's played a lot of snaps so far. Uh, I really look forward to seeing what he's like when he's fully healthy. I mean, as you pointed out, he joined the team. He didn't hurt his knee until, what, the first game? The, it was the first game of December. It was December last year. So right. he's, he's still, you know, in a window less, well less than a year of trying to come back from a catastrophic knee injury. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got to manage that appropriately. Uh, and that's probably just to get him out moving around early in the week. And then uh, at the end of the week, just make sure he's assignment based, understand everything. Everybody's on the same page. And so he's doing the walkthrough with all, you know, the starters and everything else. Uh, and then you want him to, you know, feel fresh on game day. So I, I wouldn't have him do a whole lot, but enough where he moves around. You see if it gets irritated even, you know, because it's going to swell and then he's going to get it back down. So that's going to be some recurring. Make sure you're doing the rehab. Make sure he's staying strong. And then make sure he's mentally, you know, knows his assignment. Because every week you're putting in a new game plan. And, you know, one thing could have been one week. The next week it could be something totally different. So, uh, but that's a tough injury to come back. He's done a solid job yeah. considering yeah, I think he got hurt in December, was it? Mm-hmm. Uh his ACL. Yeah. So that that's a good turnaround. And he's still he's looking pretty solid out there. I'm I'm actually impressed uh what I see. But you know, today's technology and, and ACLs, but everybody's body is different. So you just don't know until you start going through and pressing your leg out there and you know, see how you do. So we shall see. Hopefully he'll be out there and ready to rick or you know, rock and roll. We got Mike from Hermitage on the line. Mike, just one more second. This is the biggest practice note out of Indy today. Carson Wentz did practice, was moving around and throwing. There's a little bit of video, but multiple uh, culture reporters saying that he went today. One of them essentially saying that he, you couldn't really tell anything was wrong. Uh, so th- this was a guy who couldn't finish the game last week. He has two sprained ankles. He said one was worse than the other earlier this week. Maybe the right – I can't remember which one. He said one was worse. Oh, but man. he practiced he today. going to play because that's without the tornado shot. Yeah, Friday <laughs> practice for Carson Wentz. <laughs> man, he's going to be out there. Carson Wentz, number two, is going to be out there, man. Yeah, man, he he got to reach that incentive bonus where, the you know, uh, the, the Eagles uh, get, get a first rounder instead of a second rounder. <laughs> Bad playing time. Well, I think that's something like seventy percent playing time or something. If he plays, he, the, the the draft pick goes up. I know they already get a third, but it may be a, goes from a second to a first. I'm not sure. But he's going to try sure to he's going to try to do something. Uh, we got Mike and Hermitage on the line. Mike, thanks for checking in. Mark Spain Real Estate Hotline. That's how you can always reach any of your zone shows. What's going on, Mike? Thank you for calling. Hello. Hello. 
Hey, Can Mike. you hear me? Yes, yes Mike. sir. Can you hear me? Dope. Yes, Mike. We can hear you, buddy. All right, bud. Uh, just, just bringing it up that y'all were talking about the Oilers Titans, and I can remember being born and raised in Houston, and oh. ever since the inception of the Oilers, and when they followed me to Nashville, I was tickled to death. <laughs> they followed you to Nashville. <laughs> yeah, uh, we got several players, a uh, couple of players that actually played for Oilers. Uh, one uh, uh, has passed away, but Albert Drungo used to be a tackle. He's uh, uh, He retired from Nashville Sheriff of the Davidson County Sheriff's Department. He's passed away now. Mm. Rest in uh, peace. Paul Granger from back in the older days, Charlie Hennigan. I remember uh, the uh, Billy, of course, Billy White Shoes, and uh, Curly Cup and all those guys. Uh, I always enjoyed watching them play. Yeah. Uh, hey, great call, Mike. Thank, thank you for checking in. Hoyle Granger was a running back, and I've heard Amy Adams Strunk say he was her favorite player as a kid. He had a couple oh, really? really good – Hoyle Granger, yes. It looked like Granger. Oh, man, I thought she said I was her favorite player. She wasn't a kid. I'm talking about when she was a kid, Hoyle Granger. Oh, it looked oh, like oh, Granger, oh, but pronounced oh, Granger, hey. which Lucas could appreciate <laughs> since he's our show linguist. And Charlie Hennigan – Kids, if you want to see somebody putting up some numbers as a receiver, that dude played in the 60s. Go look at Charlie Hennigan's numbers. Wowzers. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Big numbers. Okay. Let, what, you hear my fingers? I'm typing. Charlie Hennigan. <laughs> you know me, though, man. You know I love this stuff. Hey, man, I watched a lot of football, even growing up as a kid. I do not remember that name. Charlie Hennigan. Charlie Hennigan had some, had some huge numbers. In the 1960s, when the Oilers came out, their quarterback was George Blanda, which if people yeah. from the 70s go, I remember him. George Blanda played until he was, what, 48 years old for the Raiders as a kicker and a backup quarterback. Yeah, he was, I remember what the Raiders And was like, yeah. you know, smoking on the sidelines. But he's – George Blanda played football in four decades, Blaine. He played in the forties. You just made my neck hurt when you just said that. This is a oh real thing. God. Lucas on his phone. He's probably Googling oh this. George Blanda was the original Oilers quarterback. They threw it all oh over the place. Goodness. He played in the forties, the fifties, the sixties, and the seventies. He played football in four decades in the NFL. Four decades. Yeah, well, yeah, and he was smoking cigarettes in the locker room. Yes. <laughs> Which you're, you're talking about your first year, all the legendary Oilers that you played with. There was a guy smoking in the locker room your first year. That's that's how much the NFL – people don't even yeah, it believe was. us. It, it, it was. I mean, his name was Eugene Seal. He was the only guy. The only guy. And I walked in there, and I couldn't believe what the heck the I The 90s. Said. I was like <laughs> – I was like, this is 93. And guess what? He was cut, but he came from the CFL and he was like a missile out there. They, uh, offensive linemen hated him. He destroyed them. He was only like 5'11, 260. <laughs> hey, jo George Blanda started with the Bears in 49, retired with the Raiders in 75. Yeah, I know yeah, my that, history. That's crazy. Yeah, but. Yeah, the smoking the cigarettes, that, that was a thing. But uh, that he was the only guy. So I got one last guy of that era, at least in his mind. But he, he didn't play. He was cut. But he, but he had he been on the Oilers like six years at that point. Yeah. He, he did have a little bit of a career. And he was ex-military too, right? He had, it was an interesting oh, This guy story. was tough. It's tough as now. I, if, I want, if I'm going down that dark alley, that's the guy I want right there. We light up the cig. Light up the alley. Else, no, leave him alone. <laughs> leave him alone. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that was during that was during your career. 
literally in the locker room. Right. It was the last holdout of the guys who still smoked on a, on a pro sports team. Yeah, that that was uh, that that blew me away. That it really did. It stunned me. I, I, I'm like, whoa! I had to tap someone. Say, hey, man, he's he's smoking in here. <laughs> like, I, I said, was that a was that a square? But I mean, these are cigarettes. <laughs> Can you imagine now? Hey, man, he going to run out of breath. We out here in Houston, man. I can barely breathe anyway. <laughs> that guy's going to fall out. <laughs> Shoot. Just problem. Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah, who's the most likely current NFL player to just be smoking a cigarette at halftime of a locker room? Ooh. Ooh, that's a good one. I like that, Lucas. Who would you have It just looks like they'd be a smoker. Oh. Or just like a bad, I don't give a bleep guy. Like, I'm going to do whatever I want to. What about Jay Cutler? Oh, Jay Cutler. Oh, well, he's not a current player, but yeah. Jay Cutler, maybe. Uh, well, all right. All right. Let's, let's, I'm going to go down the quarterback rank. Ask Matt Hayes on the other side. Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz. Rogers? Come on, man. <laughs> you see Aaron Rodgers got his hair tied back in a bun. Maybe this version of Aaron Rodgers. You know that's my favorite player, Aaron Rodgers, man. But – I would, he's so lax, relaxed. Well, how do you know? What do you know about some relaxing? You're doing a lot of relaxing. <laughs> he, he showed them, didn't he, that same game? Oh, you trolls. He called the media trolls. <laughs> yeah, I better stop all that trolling me. <laughs> so, all right. Know, man. Uh, well, Matt Hayes is set to join us next. He's uh, 1010XL Radio in Jacksonville. So he covers the Jags. He covers the Gators. Uh, you probably know some stuff about Josh Heifel. We'll, all ask, we'll also ask him player most likely to smoke in the current NFL. Yes, we have to ask him that if he's ever seen anyone in a locker room. All right. That's all. You don't want to miss any of that. So just stay where you are. It's Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone, Friday, rocking a little Greta Van Fleet. I saw those dudes when they came to town the last time. Woo-hoo-hoo, boy, did that rock. It was a fun show. If uh, if you're so inclined to like guitar music, that'd be uh, worth your time for sure with those guys. Uh, Matt Hayes joins us. I don't know if he's a Greta Van Fleet fan, but uh, he knows the Jags. He knows the Gators. He's part of the 1010 XL primetime crew uh, down in Jacksonville. What's going on, Matt? Always good to catch up with you. What's up, guys? I'm, I'm a guitar fan, I can tell you that. Well, I like that. Me too. Uh, so we got a little extra something we can talk about sometime for sure. Uh, Matt, also was Saturday down south. Uh, let's start with this. We were having this discussion. and, and it, When Blaine started in 93, his first season, there was a guy smoking in the locker room named Eugene Seal. <laughs> it was his last season. He wound up getting cut, but he, he played like six years in the league. If, if you walked into an NFL locker room today, Matt, and saw someone smoking – who is it most likely to be in this modern NFL? Who's a guy that you would be like, I wouldn't be surprised me if that guy lit up a cig every now and then. We, we did have, we did have someone tweet us and say Gardner Minshew is who he would pick. I mean, oh, I know you covered yeah, him Gardner for a while. Gardner Minshew is number one. I'm so mad. He's, yeah, he's got to be one with a bullet. Um, it's got to be somebody who's a little off. There's no doubt about that. Um, Gardner's high up there. I would actually say um, Aaron Rodgers or Ben Roethlisberger maybe. Yeah, <laughs> someone like that. <laughs> All right. Well, again, sometimes we like to throw a little curveball when people jump on with this. Uh, let me let let's start here because I know we can talk about a lot of things with you. We'll get to Gators, we'll get to Jags, but Greg Sankey essentially goes in the middle of the night 
in a trench coat and gets Texas and Oklahoma, brings them back to the SEC. And all of a sudden, this rubber stamp 12-team playoff just falls all to pieces. And now nobody can agree on anything because everybody's mad, it seems like. Just what in the world is going on in, in the highest levels of college football right now? Uh, temper tantrum with the Big Ten, the Pac-12, and the ACC, which, I mean, honestly, Mickey, you know, we've all ripped Kevin Warren for his leadership at the Big Ten, but what he's doing right now is genius. He somehow has the Pac-12 and ACC convinced that he's this pauper out there with his hat out, you know? The Big Ten is just this poor Big Ten conference. You know, you need to help us with the mighty big, the mighty SEC. They, the Big Ten pays out more money than the SEC. They right now make more money than the SEC. So it's, it's interesting what he's done. Um, I don't think the playoffs fall apart because I don't think there's any other – there's no other option. The only other option is four teams sticking as, sticking as it is, which the SEC is fine with. They don't care. They'll stay it for it. Greg Sankey has said that many times. He said it on, on uh, my radio show in Jacksonville. He's very happy at four. So the only other option is 12. And if you're going to 12, the only way you're going to get everybody on board is if you go with the plan that was originally submitted. And believe me, the, the presidents right now on that management council do not want it to look like there's eight conference commissioners that want it and four that don't, and that's why they're going to pass whatever – whatever uh, format they have. They want it to be unanimous, just like the SEC always does unanimous, because you don't want anybody saying, well, I don't like it, because then down the road, somebody can say something down the road. It's like, I told you we should have done it this way, or you're going to get people complaining about it constantly because they didn't get their, their way to vote about it. It will be unanimous. And my guess is, Mickey, it's going to be the exact playoff format that they handed out a couple months ago. It'll be that. That's what they will use. Okay, before I pass you to Blaine, though, I have to just I have to since you're on the subject. How about the alliance? How about the, how about those guys banding together with the alliance? Is that not the greatest thing ever? I mean, it's just it's it's so childish. Seriously, it's just so because any of those three conferences had Texas and Oklahoma called them and said, "Hey, we're interested in joining," they would have done backflips to get him in their league. Okay, it's just it's such a a sophomore temp, temper tantrum. But you know, whatever you got to do, man. Whatever you got to do at this point. Oh, love love catching up with Matt Hayes to talk all things uh, college NFL. He covers it all. Well, Matt, you're a lot smarter than a lot of us, and even some of these commissioners. So kind of lay out the plan you would have for the NCAA and the playoff system, or would you change it at all? You know, I, 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 think, I think four works. I think if you're, gonna, if you're going to change it, you know, it may as well be significant change. Uh, the only I, I like the twelve team that they came up with. I think the only the only thing I don't like about a point is I I don't think you're giving enough to the top four finishers. Like the the the, the four teams that get the bye in the first round, they still don't get a home game. And I, I mean I I think there should be a home game of some sort for those guys that finish in the first four in the rankings. Um, I don't know how you do that. It would that would certainly kind of cut into your idea of using the bowls. But there's got to be more of a hey. You finished in the top four. You deserve a home game. It's it's odd to me how the of the of the other the other eight in the in the rankings, four of those teams. So in other words, we're talking about five, six, seven, and eight will host a playoff game, and all that comes with hosting a playoff game, and it's just the, the pomp and circumstance, and of course the money. Um, it goes to them, but it doesn't go to the four ahead of them. So to me, that's a little strange. But I like what they came up with. You know, I, I say that let's you know roll with that. Run with Mike Hayes with 1010XL and 
Jacksonville to talk uh, balls and gators, but we have to ask you at least one question about the Jaguars and I'll, I'll com- combine it. You know, it, it, first of all, is Urban Meyer going to make it through the season and how is Trevor Lawrence <laughs> developing you know, at this point, two games in? You know what's funny, Blaine, is, is I was talking with a, a, a guy who's really close to Urban last night about this. And the one thing that really is strange to me is, you guys know this, in college, Urban was an absolute maniac on the sideline. Maniac. Into everything. Coaching everyone. He was the special teams coordinator, both Florida and Ohio State, even though he had one. He was the guy who ran special teams. Uh, he was always in, the, in with the offense groups during games, always in with defense groups during games. And now here he is in the NFL, and he's literally just standing there on the sideline with his hands on his knees. And I don't think it's because he's overwhelmed. I don't think it's because it's completely different. He doesn't understand the NFL. I think it's because he came into this thing thinking, all right, I'm going to let these guys do their jobs and I'm going to be a CEO type. And that's just not who he is. He needs to get his hands dirty. He's got to get himself into all this stuff like he did at the college level, because that's who he is. That's the coach he is. I think once that happens, once he becomes that guy who's involved in everything again on game day, I think you'll see this, this team change a little bit. And through two weeks, I know it's early, but what do you think about Trevor Lawrence? Uh, good and bad. Good and bad. I, I, but I think a lot of it, and you know, it's because, you, you know, you play in the NFL. It's the passing game is not just simply the quarterback. It's protection. It's the quarterback throwing on time with anticipation. It's receivers getting open, getting separation. And if any of those three don't work on every single play, then you'll, you'll have a problem somewhere. So I, I think you see – you see the arm talent. You see his ability to throw uh, with accuracy when he, has, when he has time. But, I mean, let's be honest. Their receivers are just average. Their offensive line is just average. And that's a lot to ask of a rookie, of a rookie quarterback to go in with just average and to complete 65 68% of your passes like, like, you know, typical NFL star quarterbacks do, you know, and to not make mistakes like typical star NFL quarterbacks do. And that's – He's in a tough spot right now. It's gonna be it's gonna be a baptism by fire, no doubt about it. One team that is not average, and that is the Florida Gators doing the chomp. Man, they almost snuck away. And one thing I take away from that Bama game, I know they lost, is that they believe that they can beat Bama. There's no doubt about it. So what does UT have to do to just stay in this game? Because if you're in the game in the fourth quarter, I'll bet you're off. Yeah, no, I I agree, Blaine. I I just. The thing, the problem I have with Tennessee is, is twofold. I don't think they're any good at quarterback. Which, if you're not good at quarterback, you're in deep trouble in any level of football. And then defensively, I mean, I keep hearing about Tennessee's run game. They're great run defense. I mean, look who they played. It's uh, you know, it's that's not a good Tennessee defense there, and it's going to start to get exposed week after week in the SEC. Um, if you're Tennessee, if I'm Tennessee, the, the idea I have is you just do who you are. You are, you are. You do tempo, you get out there, you try and score as many points as you can, um, and then just don't turn the ball over. If you don't turn the ball over, you got a chance to get it to the second half. But it's, uh, I think what you see with Tennessee the first three weeks is not what you're going to get through the SEC season. I mean, Josh has got a very heavy lift on his hands right now. He's, he's got work to do. And not only, just, not only the actual personnel on that team, but getting everyone to believe and be on the same page. What are you expecting this game? What, what, what's your prediction on, on score, I guess? Oh, I, don't, I, mean, I, I mean, you're talking about gambling. I think they cover the 20-point spread. It's just, I, I, I mean, it's, if, if Tennessee starts turning the ball over, it's going to get really ugly. If Tennessee holds on to the ball, you know, you might see something like 
Yeah. All right, we went with Matt Hayes with 1010XL in Jacksonville covering the balls and the gators, Mickey. So, Matt, obviously being where you are in that part of the world, you would have great proximity to UCF. When you saw what Josh Heupel did there for a couple of years, then you're like everybody else. You find out that he's getting the Tennessee job and he takes it. Do you see Heupel as like he's the guy that can make Tennessee Tennessee again and make this, you know, for instance, this week's game, this week, the series with Florida, which has been very one-sided. Is he the guy to kind of bring things back, do you think? Uh, Mickey, I actually lived in, in Orlando for almost 16 years. So, I mean, I, I'm very close to that UCF program. Um, I can tell you this, man. That's a big statement that you just made. Make Tennessee, Tennessee again. I, I don't, and I've written this in the last couple of years. I don't think Tennessee will ever be like what Tennessee fans think they can be or want them to be ever again. Mm. Because the, the dynamics of the league have completely changed. You've got guys at mega schools at Alabama, Georgia, LSU, Florida, You've got guys that can recruit and will hold down their area. When Philip was there in the golden years with Peyton, and, you know, he went into Louisiana and got Peyton. He went into Alabama and got T. Martin. He went into South Carolina and got key defensive linemen. He went into Atlanta and got a five-star tailback. That's not happening anymore. It's just not. And at the end of the day, players win championships. So I, I think can Josh be successful at Tennessee? Yeah, I think he can. Sure. I think what Josh has done, track record as far as offense, as far as scoring points, as far as you know, putting his quarterback in position to be among the elite, and not only his conference but but nationally, you gotta you gotta see that and say, okay, he knows what he's doing. So I think they'll score points. I think they'll win games. But but the ceiling, I mean, nine games, nine wins, nine wins, ten wins, maybe every once in a while. I just don't think. I I just don't see them becoming the elite national team that they were in the 90s because I don't think geographically as far as recruiting, it fits for them anymore. Do you see that it could possibly, if you say, okay, not on a regular basis, could they have those years maybe you think where they catch some lightning in a bottle, maybe find oh, a, yeah. yeah, like that maybe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if that's like, I mean, honestly, Mickey, that's like, like Florida's quarterback right now. I mean, their quarterback, it's Emory Jones, but their quarterback is Anthony Richardson. He's, that dude's unique. He's going to win a national title there. If if Josh lands a quarterback like that, of course they can. Yeah, yeah. Then, then you can you can talk about an SEC championship, absolutely. But the the you know the odds of landing a quarterback like that are very slim. Matt Hayes joining us uh, at made Hay, at Matt Hayes CFB on Twitter. If you want to follow him, there our guest on Blaine and Mickey. Yeah, Matt. How how, how much do you think uh, Richardson and Jones? Uh, play in this game is Jones going to play the full way or you think Richardson is uh back healthy and is going to contribute uh you know more than uh you know naturally last week when he didn't play uh I, there's just a lot of they're very quiet this week Blaine um my guess would be he doesn't play I mean if this was like his first time that he injured his hamstring and it's a you know a, a grade one you know you maybe keep him out for a week or two but he you know he initially did this in spring so this is the second problem with this my guess would be he doesn't play. He doesn't play Saturday. He doesn't play the following week against Kentucky, and maybe the following week after that against Vandy. And then you bring him back for LSU. Then you've got that little stretch run there: LSU and Georgia, the games that are important, the games that that you know you have to win if you want to reach that goal of playing Alabama again. I, I mean, you know, Blaine. I'm sure you've had a hamstring injury. It's it's a lot more difficult than than simply as oh yeah okay we'll rest it and then he'll come back up out and he's good and he can make those 
those quick jab moves again, and it's it's not like that. I, I would be shocked if he play if he plays this week and even next week. Speaking of shocked, I was really shocked at Florida running the football versus Bama last week, man. Dan Mullen, man, he was bringing the you know the X's and O's. He figured it out, man. Were you a little surprised about that as well? I think every I think anyone who follows the SEC was surprised because Florida's offensive line the last couple of years is not that good. You know, they're just average, and, and, and it's been a big problem. Them running the ball has been a big problem. They, you know, they're a team that uh, infamously in the in the Georgia game last year was fourth and half a yard, and Dan goes five wide and tries to throw the ball. Can't get a half a yard. So, yeah, I think a lot of people were surprised not only the way they they manhandled Alabama up front and not only the way they ran the ball, but I think it was what really surprised me more than anything as you know, in the in the post game, Nick Saban was talking about mental errors, and you know they they play to the stand rather than themselves, and yeah, it's a lot of mental errors, Nick. It's really more you couldn't get off blocks. They could not get off blocks on defense, and that to me was a big surprise. And I think it's part Alabama, and I also think it's it's more of a part of uh, uh, you know Florida's offensive line is starting to gel now, and I think they 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 got a lot of confidence, and Alabama doesn't have those elite D linemen that they had in the past. Mm. Well, what game are you tuning in this week and you see any potential upsets? Uh, I, I want to see what LSU does against Mississippi State because that is a dangerous game right there. Mm. If, if LSU loses that game, then there's going to be some seriously upset people in the state of Louisiana about where the program is headed. Um, you, you, losing to Mississippi State is bad enough. And, again, I'm, I'm, this is no offense to Mississippi State, but losing two years in a row if you're LSU to Mississippi State – that's a problem. That's a problem even for a guy who won a national championship a couple of years ago. Hey, Matt, on the way out, we were talking to Ross Dellinger yesterday, and he used the P word when talking about college football. He said he feels like there's parity this year, and, and he said we've seen so many early matchups against good teams. He said that's kind of what he was basing it on. It seems like we've just kind of penciled in the top four so long. I mean, dare I say it, is there some parity in college football this year? You know what, Mickey? You know what I really think it is? I, I think it's the quarterback position. There's uncertainty there. Ohio State, uncertainty with C.J. Stroud. You know, he's a guy that, that throws really well, and then a couple other times you see him throw it, and you're like, what in the world is he doing? Spencer Rattler was this guy that was going to be this terrific player. You know, you know, and the reality is he got benched last year, and he played really well in the final game of the season against the Florida team that had a bunch of guys out that opted out, opted out of the bowl game. They didn't really care about being there. And he's kind of just, you know, who he is. Then you look at Notre Dame. Um, Jack Cohn's all right, but Jack Cohn got beaten out for the Wisconsin job. So you look at all these programs that are there at the point where they're typically among the, the, uh, the, the uh, college football elite, and look at them now. They're all kind of uneasy at quarterback. I think that, that as much as anything is what kind of leads to parity. Um, will it change as the season grows on? Sure, it could. They could get a little more comfortable and, a little more confident the passing games of those schools could get better. But right now, I think that's the reason why you're seeing Ohio State with a loss. Uh, you got Notre, uh, Notre Dame could have a loss after this week against Wisconsin. You know, you've got teams that Clemson, another one, you know, teams that you would typically say, okay, here they are. They're struggling a little bit. Matt, great stuff, man. Uh, tell your crew on primetime, we said, hey, you guys are the best. 1010XL primetime. You can follow Matt, and you need to on Twitter, at Matt Hayes CFB, and you can read him at Saturday Down South. Man, thank you. Thanks, buddy. 
Okay, brother. Thanks, hey, we're, we're going to see you in New York for the Army Navy game, right? Oh, I can't wait. I hope so. I hope so. Hope we're all right. back this year. Can't wait. All right. Appreciate it. Yes, our 1010 XL guys. Uh, it's it's like the four man, four horsemen of the apocalypse. They got four guys on their show, and they're just all like Leon Searcy, who you played against Blaine, Matt, Ooh. Joe Cowart, and uh, uh, Ryan Green. Four great dudes that do a show. Love catching up with them anytime we can. When we come back, we'll call our shot. Mike from Philly wants to weigh in on which NFL player would, I don't know how we got, who would be the most likely current NFL player to smoke if you missed that earlier, we'll explain when we come back. Wayne and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Lucas. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. We'll call our shot in just a minute. Mike in Philly has been on hold, so let's get to Mike on the Mark Spain Real Estate Hotline. We basically were talking about in Blaine's first year in the NFL, he had a teammate in the locker room who was smoking. That was an, like an old NFL thing that finally died out in the early 90s. So we asked, like, okay, who would be the guy to do it? Uh, got a couple of comments. Baker Mayfield, says Scott on Twitter. Gardner Minshew, says Jay-Z. Mike in Philly, though, joins us next. Mike. Modern NFL player wouldn't surprise you at all if the guy just, you know, had a lung dart and just pulled it out and started smoking. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, you know, I, I go way back. Uh, in terms of the NFL, I would probably have to say, particularly for the Eagles, uh, I'm going way back. Andre Waters would probably do that. Blaine, you probably know about Andre. But quick, funny story. I was playing ball for St. Joe's in college, and the Sixers used to practice at St. Joe's. Oh. So... Before practice, I'm sitting there on the bench with my cup of Gatorade. Uh, you got Dr. J, George McGinnis, Joe Bryant, Kobe's dad out there playing. Coach Billy Cunningham calls practice. George McGinnis walks over, sits to the right of me. He asks me, hey, young man, how's it going? I said, hey, you know, we're at 500, but we have a game against Georgetown come up in a couple days. Big Mac reaches into his gym bag, pulls out a pack of cigarettes, and starts to smoke. Okay, he looks at me and says, young man, this is not good for you. Two minutes later, Caldwell Jones, the backup center, he walks over, sits to the left of me, asks me the same question, reaches into his gym bag, pulls out two 16-ounce tall boys of Schlitz, cracks them both open, knocks them down, and looks at me and says, hey, young man, this is not good for you. So Blaine, just like you guys are talking, in the 70s, it was just a different, different breed, a different era. Players were smoking, drinking, and who knows what else was going on. Oh, my gosh, Mike. That's a fantastic phone call. And he's talking about those Sixers legends, legends, man. Those ooh, teams were yeah. loaded. Yeah, no question. Oh, man, I love, yeah, boy. Ooh, I love me some Dr. J. Mm. I was, oh, man, I, I was, Dr. J and Larry Bird was my dudes, and they used to go at it for the Eastern Conference. Ooh, yes, I love that. And Bird, man, he'd be talking smack out there all day. <laughs> putting it in their eye. I mean, <laughs> yeah, Bird. Like, I used to be on the basketball court. Bird, boom, <laughs> and I missed, but it wasn't, you know, wasn't like Larry Bird, but that's okay. <laughs> Larry Bird would point on the court to where he was going to shoot it from, and people still couldn't, you still couldn't stop him. That dude was amazing. He was bad. He's a bad man, but guess we got some bad people going to call their shots, right? Yeah, time to call our shot. Uh, I did want to hit this. I've got the Colts' uh, final Uh-oh. final injury list. They have – hold on, guys. I'll get there. Sorry. Twitter's awful slow today. Carson have, Wentz practice. Carson no. Wentz practice today. He is listed only as questionable, so not oh, even my. doubtful, questionable. 
Questionable. He is playing. Uh, Jordan Glasgow, the linebacker, is listed as out. And uh, tackle Braden Smith actually listed as out uh, for the Colts. So, uh, O-lineman will be sitting. There's only three people that are mentioned on their report. Carson Wentz questionable. uh, Glasgow. Xavier Rhodes is playing. Oh, wow. Yeah. Hey, I told you. Whenever the Titans and Colts play, all bets are off. Divisional game, you never know. They can have their third-string quarterback out there, and they still beat us. You, you better come with your A-game, Titans. I'm telling you right now. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. About, you know, no, everybody wink, wink, nod, nod. Everybody like, hey, man, uh, try, to stri- try to tie uh, Carson Wentz's shoestrings. <laughs> and I'm not talking about it in the right way. Yeah. You go, you go dead down to that ankle and twist that thing at the bottom of the pile. Nobody's saying that. They just look at each other like, mm-hmm, I got you. Well, you can just pick an ankle. They're both they're both messed up, Blaine. Just oh, pick yeah, either can't one. Go wrong. No, yeah. you go you can go two for two and ankle grabbing there. Yeah. Oh, my bad. You okay? Yeah, that's how it works. When you're getting up, you say, Oh, oh, my bad. It was stuck in my arm. Your big foot. It's underneath my armpit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Lucas. <laughs> that's what they used to do with my head. I'm like, hey, hey, let me up. <laughs> All right, Lucas, time to call our shot, uh, courtesy of our friends at Chattanooga Whiskey, available at your favorite Nashville retail store. Drink Chattanooga Whiskey, maybe even this weekend, but enjoy responsibly. All right, what you guys got in the shot-calling world? So Uh-oh. five years ago today, the Tennessee last beat Florida in 2016. Five years ago to the day, my phone is littered with memories from it that my phone's reminding me that today is the fifth anniversary of that game. Something in the air, first road trip of the Josh Heupel era, five-year anniversary of the last time the Vols beat Florida. It's close around halftime. Gators cover the spread after the second half. Oh, man, all that buildup for that. But Yeah, cover the spread. Well, I'm going to call a shot that the Vols are going to take the Gators down. They're going to do the Gator top, and they're going to take them down. Yes, 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 they will. I think Heupel and crew. We'll get it done on the offense. Give them a break. Some big plays. They're going to start off slow to Gators because they're still going to be off that low of getting beat by Bama and the physical draining that it takes, the drain that it takes on your body. And by the time they wake up, it'll be the middle of the second quarter and balls are already going to be up on them and they're going to be chasing from behind and the running game is going to go out the window because they're going to have to throw it to get back up. Mm-hmm. Catch back up. That's it. That's my shot. Wow. Ooh, I, see uh, you, I see you smiling, Lucas. You like that. <laughs> Blaine just calling it, man. Wow. Okay. Uh, I feel like anything that we do will be anticlimactic after that. But uh, here's my shot. I think the Titans beat the Colts. There's all kinds of metrics that say that the Titans don't cover the spread. It's down what? to four and a half. Oh. It was five and a half. I think it was five. Now FanDuel has it at four and a half. Titans win, but everybody's ulcer grows because they don't cover the spread. I think it's going to be close. All right, I'm going to go film practice right now. Okay, I got to go. Bye. All right, Blaine's in Indiana, so he's going to do some recon work. Time for us to go. 3HL up next. Hey, have a great weekend, everybody. Enjoy football tonight. Enjoy high school football on the zone. Woo! It's going to be fun. Have a great weekend, and peace!